So we're going to continue in this message out of Ephesians. This week we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier for the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those of you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, or but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of this household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets of Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. So I've always loved to play sports. And contrary to how I look these days, I was pretty good at sports. And uh, those of you who play growing up, you kind of know how it works, right? When you're out there on the playground and you know, captains get chosen and, and it becomes, you know, this guy picks and then this guy picks and this guy picks and your team gets chosen that way. Now, when I was younger, I, did I say I was good? Did I mention I was good? I never, I never had a thought about whether I was going to get picked or not, right? Because I knew that I was, you know, I was better than a lot of those guys at, at whatever the sport was that we were playing. So I knew that, that I was going to be okay, that I was going to be a part of the team. So that process was really more for me about where do I stand amongst my peers? You know, so, so they'd be pick and I'd find out where I stood. And if I'm going to be honest, I would, I actually, there were people that I didn't want on my team. I never considered those who were kind of the last of the line. There were folks that I didn't want on my team because you know what my goal was, right? To win. Yeah, you know, we're going to play. You know, so it's all about winning. It's not about, you know, including people and that kind of thing. And then we lose. Any of y'all experienced that? So all my friends who knew me were back where I was, and now I'm in a new place. And guess what they do there? They choose captains, <laughs> they did. And you know who they pick? They pick the people that they know and their friends. And now all of a sudden I'm in there going, uh-oh, they don't know me. Am I even going to get picked? Am I going to end up having to sit on the sidelines? You see, in life, we have insiders and we have outsiders, right? The welcome mat is placed out for some, but not for others. Some are accepted, others are rejected. Some of us know that experience of being on the inside, right? We know what it's like to, to have that acceptance from others, that it brings security. Others of us have known that rejection 
and exclusion. Sometimes we've done both in our life. We've been around today or two. And that can be frustrating and disillusioning. I've worked with a lot of people in my career as an addiction counselor and, and in ministry. And an interesting thing happens for those who have less than others. There's this thought that the world isn't fair and it's got to get me. And I end up waiting for the next thing to go wrong in my life, which keeps me, ironically, trapped in that cycle of poverty. Because I don't have hope. Because I know that it may be going good today, but tomorrow something's going to happen that's going to take that away. And it leads to disillusionment, that feeling of rejection. And Paul wrote these words to the believers of the churches at Ephesus, but they have meaning and pertinence for us today. In fact, for us today, it's probably even more meaningful because we can divide by we divide by every means that possible. Back to Paul, it was, was there were two groups basically. There were the Jews, the chosen people, and there was everybody else, known as the Gentiles. That was the dividing line for us today. How are what, 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 how we divided people? I mean, we've got race. What else? Wealth. Gender. Age. Religion. Athletic ability. Nationality. How we dress, how we look. Do you have tattoos? Do you don't have tattoos? Are you a. You know, it's just an amazing thing, but what we have done. As we, we look for, it's almost like we look for ways to divide. Uh, look at the political process. I, I mean, it's, it's all about class warfare and all these things as, as they try to get our vote by getting us to turn on one another. It's crazy. But that's what our process is about. Which means that what Paul is talking about for us in the church, that it's more pertinent for us today because our culture wants us to divide. And Paul and Jesus say, that's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not Christ's way. And it's not easy. I mean, all of us in here love the fact that mercy is extended to us, right? I, I mean, I know my past, and I'm so grateful that God gives me grace. That I am included in the body of Christ. But if I'm honest, there are groups of people and types of people that I struggle with taking that same grace that's given to me and extending it to them. And I'm not alone in that. If you're honest and you look at your life, there's some people in your life, some groups of people, that you will be excluding from your life, because we all do it. Take a look around. We look kind of the same, don't we? Very similar in many ways. Church remains the most segregated place in the world. Why is that? When we're called to unity, called to be one. It's an interesting question. Because it's clear that we are. But one of the ways that we remain divided inside the walls of the church is that we don't take that same grace that's given to us and give it to others because we're called to do that. We don't accept others as God has accepted us. We create a culture of insider, culture and outsider. The good, the good news about that is there is wideness in God's mercy. 
You're going to hear that several times in the poem that was written by Frederick, Frederick Faber a long time ago called There's Life in God's Mercy. And I, I, I want to think about that because there is life in God's mercy. Last week I talked about the, the road and how it narrows. Remember? That when we become Christians, we come to Christ and we come with who we are. That's just the way it is. It's, and I may have a lot of stuff in my life, but Jesus meets me where I am. I get saved, and He loves me, and, and whoo, hallelujah! And then the Holy Spirit begins to go. You know, there might be something in your life that you might want to take a look at. And I'm a really good example of this because I was a Christian in my years of addiction. So I did a lot of it in the early days, kind of like I, I want to be like Jesus. Oh, I messed up. Uh oh, I won't be like and then I'd fall back. I suppose that people could stay here at the beginning of the path. But man, it would be uncomfortable. Because if you have accepted Christ into your heart, He is going to work with you on trying to. The goal is to align with the will of God and that path that narrows as we're on our journey. He wants us to have the best life possible. He wants, he wants to give us a, a life, an abundant life. And so he's trying to get us to let go. Anything that's in between us and that abundant life, he wants to help us to get that out of the way so that we can be more and more like him. Now, I know some of y'all have cleared fields, right? You know the process. You go get the big stuff. Knock it out. Back, back here, you see the big, there's a burn pile left. You go get all the big stuff. And then and you keep working at those, not just that, right? Because there's still some stuff, you know, once you knock all that out, there's still some stuff you've got to put away. And if you've done any of that, you know, there once more, you go pick up this rock that's there, you know what it is? It's a boulder. You go to pick it up, and, and, and it's like it's buried in the ground, and it's this huge boulder. That's what our journey's like. If we're bebopping along and we're getting, we're aligning with, you know, we're making progress, and then we reach down to get that little rock, and it's like, uh oh. I better get a shovel. You know, as something that God wants us to, that's keeping us from getting closer to God, gets in the way of us in that journey. And that's what our walk is continually like is as we go on here. I'm 38 years into this thing. I wonder sometimes if I, if how far along, along the path that I've, that I've actually come. One of the challenges for us in the church, I'm 38 years in, right? It's real easy for me Say Joe over here, he just got saved. Woo! He's got all his life. He just accepted Jesus, and he just got saved, and he's got everything that he had before he got saved. You know what? It's all right here. And it's really easy for me, 38 years down, to go, hey Joe, come on. You need to be right where I am because now you know this is what God wants. He wants you to be right here with me. And it's real easy for us to have a little bit of time in our relationship with Christ to take our experience and try to cover Joe with that experience. We can do that a lot of different ways. There's, y'all have heard the word churchianity? No? Churchianity is, is when we place the things of the, of the church, not the body of Christ church, but just of the church, in the way of our relationship with God. Now how that can work, things like the way the style of worship. Sometimes we get we place that in place of our relationship with God, we, or, or in the way of our, our, our relationship with God, or we place the way that we dress, or the way that we talk, or the way that we look. 
all of those things. But, and sometimes we can take churchianity and it becomes our Christianity and the things that are important to us are not important to God. So I one of the questions that, you know, we're talking about this more and more is the things that we are doing in this place, are they honoring us? Are we doing them because we like them? Are we doing them because they're what God wants us to do? Because when we're doing churchianity, then we place these restrictions over, over the new believer because he has to do exactly what I want him to do instead of what God may want him to do. I'm very grateful that God, you know, has allowed me to grow in the way that he's allowed me to grow. Now, the reason that we do that is really not hard to figure out. We don't trust God. We don't trust Him. We don't trust that God is going to take Job and is going to move him in, in the way that he needs to be moved to the place that he needs to be. So because we don't trust that God's got it, we try to make it about us. And that's church here. In case you wonder, we're not called to be churchy. <laughs> Emily mentioned a little bit ago who, what we're here for and who we're here for. Churches nowadays, uh, there's a consumer culture. I have a, great, a friend of mine, he puts it better than anybody I've ever heard. He says, I don't know why when we treat the congregation like consumers, we're surprised that they act like consumers. In our current world, folks come to church to consume the music, to consume the message. God, that's not why we're here. If we're performers, it's for one reason, and that's to raise worship and to give glory to God. And that's not my job alone. That's our job together. We are here to glorify God. We come together to do that as the body of Christ. That's what church is for. That's why we're here. Now, sure, we want to equip, we want to prepare, we want to send folks to be about the business of Christ in the community. When we come together, that's why we celebrate what God is doing. We, we need to be celebrating what God is doing in this place. But our audience on Sunday morning is God. One of the great things about those distinctions is, and it's from our pastors, Paul tells us, Jesus Christ has destroyed the distinction between insider and outsider, accepted and rejected. And that's great news for us. You see, we were all outsiders before this. And he wrote this to the church, guys, so he repeats, this is to us. This is to us. This is the letter that's written to us, how we're going to treat each other, how we're going to do this. But we were all outsiders. Every one of us was outsiders. God was far off, right? But now, through Jesus, through the blood of the cross, we are brought near. The reason for that is that there's a wideness in God's mercy. Happened through the cross. It's the cross that represents the peace that God's made with the world. And I love the analogy and the, and the metaphor, the picture of the cross, because it talks about the two great commandments. If we look at the cross, we can see that this is our relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. When I see the cross, when I see that center being, that reminds me that I am the love of God. 
and the, and the cross being tells me that I'm to love my neighbor. Whenever I see the cross, it reminds me that I'm to love God and love my neighbor and prove that in my life, to live that out. For Paul, the division was clear. He was a, he was a temple Jew, so the, so the division was the wall and the temple and the law. And that was, they, they had what's called the Holy of Holies. There were only certain people, certain priests who could go into the Holy of Holies. The wall that separated the people from God was a real wall. And it limited the number of people who had access to God. That is no longer the case. God changed all of that in the cross because there is wideness in God's mercy. In Mark 6, many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns. Jesus was, was teaching. He got on a boat. He left. And the people started to run and they got ahead of them before they landed. So when Jesus landed and saw the large black crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. You see, in Jesus Christ, God looks on the multitudes, on, on all of us. And he says, you are included in this opportunity to be part of the body of Christ. In our passage, it talks, says, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. How terrible is that? But that was what it was until Jesus Christ came. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Jesus Christ, God looks on the Gentiles. He looks on us. But he says, you're included in this opportunity to be a part of this body of Christ I'm talking about. 3 John 1, 5. Beloved, you be faithful in whatever you do for the friends. Even though they are strangers to you, they testify to your love before the church. You do well to send them on in a manner worthy of God. For they begin their journey for the sake of Christ, accepting no support from non-believers. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that they may become co-workers with the truth. In Jesus Christ, God looked at the stranger and says, you're included. In Matthew 19, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In Jesus Christ, children are included. Luke 10:39, Martha and Mary, Mary in the kitchen doing the cooking and getting mad, you know, slamming covers and stuff because Mary's out there with Jesus sitting there, sitting at his feet and she's just not happy about that. Luke 10, 39, she had a sister called Mary and sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In Jesus Christ, women are included. Prodigal son, Luke 15, those who have drifted, gone away, run off, squandered their wealth, squandered everything that they have, come back on the road, and the, 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 man, the, the father runs down the road, takes the coat, puts it on him, hugs him. I love you. He who has lost his family. In Jesus Christ, the prodigal is included. In Jesus Christ, God looks upon you and upon me and upon us with all of our stuff. How is it like if God knew all of our, or if everybody in here knew all of your stuff? God knows all of our stuff, and you know what he says? Come unto me, you who are weary. Let me give you that. Because you are included. You and I are included in this wondrous thing called the body of Christ. It's a radical message. It's a radical message of the gospel of Christ. They're no longer insiders or outsiders. No longer the accepted and the rejected. There's no longer some who get in the game and some who are banished to the sidelines. 
Jesus broke all that down. He broke down the dividing wall between the two groups. That those two groups that have now become one were included. Visible signs of, of, of inclusion is the cross. It's a reminder that nothing can separate us from his love. Romans 8.38. It's a reminder we were bought with a price. It's a reminder that all have sinned. All means all. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And yet it's also a reminder that God's love is expressed to us that while we were yet sinners, God died for us. That means that before I was born, even though I was going to mess up, Jesus Christ died for me. We are an inclusive faith. Now, let me say a little bit about this word. Because this word has become something that I'm not talking about this morning. I'm not talking about the politically correct version. You see, being inclusive doesn't mean that all positions are equal. Because all positions are not equal. Being inclusive doesn't mean that we're going to agree on anything. Because guess what? We're not. And if somebody does be inclusive, it doesn't mean that if you disagree with me, now I can exclude you. Because that's the current thing. It does mean that we are to include all persons and all means all in the body of Christ. All persons. It's not all beliefs. But everyone is welcome. So what does that mean for us? That the excluded are now included. What does it mean for us who are on the inside? Because we are on the inside, guys. If you're a believer, you're on the inside. What does it mean for those on the outside? For those of us on the inside, it means perhaps we need to open ourselves to the possibility that God is not confined to our traditions, to our understanding, to our code, to our formula of Christianity. Cross takes precedence over circumcision. That means the cross takes precedence over the law and the inclusion of the Gentiles. So maybe we can broaden our circle a little bit, move beyond just those who agree with us, even to those who don't. Remember that there is a wideness in God's mercy. means that we are to be cautious in our use of Scripture. Because we never want to be the Pharisees of this time. Did you know that the Pharisees were good guys? They, they studied hard. They knew Scripture better than anybody. In that sense, they're good guys. Now they had their stuff. I like we have our stuff. They knew the Bible, and they completely built Jesus. How can that be? As we read and, and we study, we must always keep that in the back of our mind. What, how did that happen to them? 
And here's what I've come up with. See, we never want our whole understanding of God to be contained in our own interpretation of Scripture. In our own. We need to study with others and learn together. Now, if you're trying to get to know God without Scripture, One of the great things about Wesleyanism, which is the founder of Wesleyanism, is, is that Scripture is our primary thing. That we, everything that we in life we see, we, we look at through Scripture. It's informed by reason, tradition, and experience. But that's how we interpret Scripture. Scripture is primary. It's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, but it's not like four sides. They're all the same. Scripture is primary, and it's informed by our reason, traditions, and that includes reading old, you know, our fathers and forefathers of, of the faith, and our own experience. But Scripture is a dangerous thing when we don't treat it with great respect. It's God's revelation to us. We have to be careful of that because the Pharisees I always keep them in my mind when I start to think that I know more than I know. But we also have to be careful that we're not modern-day pluralists that say all paths lead to God because all paths don't lead to God. There is one place that we are exclusive. You know what that is? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for him. Non-negotiable, don't care about none of that's a non-negotiable. That, that, that piece of who we are makes us exclusive. I mean, the way we're exclusive, where we are in this one place. But you get to come as you are, and then we're going to trust that God is going to meet you here. We're going to walk alongside you, but he's going to walk with you on this path that leads you down this, towards the will of God. So we are exclusive in that sense, but in other ways, what does God, what does Jesus tell us? He says, love your enemy. Now that's just crazy. That's just crazy talk. Love your neighbor. Bless those that curse you. That's it. That's wrong. But that's Jesus. It's not easy to be a Christian, a true follower of Christ, because it challenges us to move outside of, of our norms, outside of our expectations, outside of our traditions. Now, for those on the outside, the cross can be good news if it's in break. But sometimes people become, you probably know some people like this, who become so accustomed to being on the outside that it becomes their identity. Right? So, I'm not going to be part of the inside because I want to be part of the outside. And for those of us, it can be really hard to take that step inside the body of Christ. But it doesn't change that God wants us all to be insiders in that sense. See, God's story of salvation, he has always taken outsiders and brought them in. Read scripture. Take outsiders and make them a part of how he got us in here. But he also has challenged us. Jesus Christ, I don't know how many times I probably should have looked it up so I could give you a number. But he said this many times. You have heard it said, 
But I say to you, you have heard it said this. This is the traditional understanding. But I say to you, here is a new way of looking at it. Paul, I'm telling you, for a, for a Pharisee to write that the walls are down, that the visions are gone, and that we are all one, Jew and Gentile together, is crazy for a Pharisee. That can't happen. That's a totally new understanding of Scripture. So we have to always be thinking, okay, what is God, is God doing a new thing here? Because he sometimes does a new thing. We look at slavery and the way that we look, that we look at slavery. We don't look at it the way that we used to a long time ago. We look at divorce and the way that we look at divorce. We don't look at it the way that we used to. I mean, Jesus was very clear on divorce. He didn't like divorce. He said the only one reason to be divorced is if you mess, if you mess around with somebody. And anybody who marries somebody who's divorced is then in culture. But we have undertaken and understood that through a lens of grace correctly that God's grace is extended to us all. Paul wrote that we are under the, the, the authority and the place where the government as long as it doesn't interfere with us in our relationship with God. That means that the rules and the laws of our land, we are to obey them. Anybody speak on the way to church today? Welcome to sin. <laughs> Jesus also said, if you think he did, basically. What is he trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us, you can't do it. You can't, I can, and I did. And if you'll accept me as your Savior, all of this can be made new. That's the gospel. That's how much he loves us. And I mean, there's the thing that, that's separating the church nowadays is homosexuality, the, the gay, gay rights, and you know, we're going to have a Methodist, we're going to talk about that in 2016. I have a traditional understanding of. Uh, uh, scripture when it comes to homosexuality that I will tell you that I believe in grace and I know that I sin and that I admit gay or straight come on male or female come on rich or poor body of Christ come on white, black, brown, pick a color God loves you, and God loves all of them, whoever the 
in relationship with him. We are one body through the cross. There's no longer two groups. Jesus convinced the world to bring, to, to make peace unified, to integrate the church. We're talking about the church, inside the church. There's going to be plenty of stuff outside the church. We're talking about us in here. We are to be unified. And now I understand that at times we, we fall into comfort, right? What's comfortable, what I was raised with. And, 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 you know, I was raised to dress nice and go to church. And my mom probably didn't even know we were talking this morning. My mom probably didn't even know why she wanted me to do that. But I'll tell you why. It's, it's because when I come to church, I didn't know this back then. And I had a conversation with somebody who's been around the church a while, and, and he didn't know me either. So I figured maybe we need to say this out loud and everything. We come to church. And we bring our best to God. Whatever that is. For some of us, that, that means that we're going to dress nicely and come. For others, it may not. But that's why we do what we do. We don't. And, and if we dress nice just because it's my mom and my dad taught me to do it, that's not a good reason to do it. But there is a good reason to do it. To honor who God is. Because there's wideness in God's mercy. That we are to welcome the stranger and the alien. God asks a lot of us, guys, as Christians. He asks a lot of us. This whole idea of inclusivity, of, of allowing anyone to come is a tough thing. But it's what we're asking Christians to embrace and to do. And when it happens, when this miracle happens, when, include, when people feel included, you know it. Every once in a while, you probably have had a sense of it here when you know that the, the air is different when God is present. Different. He wants something better for us. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness and His justice, which is more than liberty. There's welcome for the sinner and more gracious for the good. There's mercy with the Savior. There's healing in His blood. There is no place where earth sorrows are more felt than it in heaven. There is no place where earth failings have such kind judgment given. There is plentiful redemption in the blood that has been shed. There is joy for all the members of the sorrows of the heaven. And the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. If our love were but more faithful, we should take him at his word, and our life would be thanksgiving for the goodness of the Lord. So I have a great hope for us. My hope is that we can discover the extraordinary joy of what it means to believe in Jesus Christ, to belong with the people that value us and value our journey, and to become the hands and feet of Christ in the world. The great hope that I have for us. This is a great joy. It starts with us. It ends with us. It's going to go with us, or it will stop with us. So what are we going to do? So my challenge this week is simple. It's on the tarot. Who have I been excluded? That God would have me include in my life? And what am I going to do about it?